Hi there, and welcome to the Life Saving Gratitude Podcast. I'm Bunny Terry, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Johanna Medina. And today we're talking to Barbara McCullough. Barbara is a visual artist. She's a painter who lives in Santa Fe. She and I met online and then met in person because she donated something to a nonprofit, the Cancer Foundation for New Mexico, that my listeners know I'm in incredibly involved in and dedicated to. But what, as, as another donor said to me recently, um, there are no coincidences. Barbara and I didn't meet by coincidence. She is a powerhouse of art and gratitude and learning. Um, she is not a spring chicken by the world standards, but let me tell you, in terms of learning how to make an impact and how to change the lives of other people. She is, uh, she's a force in her field. And she talks a lot about um, weaving together the strands of your life and learning how to wrap your life around a spiritual core at the same time that you give and give and give back. She is energetic. She's interesting. She's smart. And I I can't believe my good fortune that I got to meet her. I want you to stay, stick around till the end because she gives us a tip at the end that you're going to find in, it amazingly life-saving. I'm putting it to work right now. Um, it's She talks about the art of living fearlessly and Barbara knows about living fearlessly. She, like me, was married three times before she found her fourth amazing partner. Um, she was very successful professionally at the same time that her inner life was in shambles. And 20 years ago, she was in a space where she was praying for her life to end. So, uh, and, and now she's changing lives every single moment. So, Take a listen. I want you to be inspired. And then um, we'll have some links to her artwork, to the programs that she's involved in, that you can also get involved in. And I, I just, I, I want, she said that her 70s are her decade of living fearlessly. So today I suggest you live fearlessly and um, have as big an impact as you can. But remember that the biggest impact you can you can possibly give the world is on yourself. Thank you for checking in. Thank you for being a part of our audience. And I'd ask that you like us, you subscribe and you review us wherever it is that you listen to your favorite podcast. Our, re our listenership is growing every single day. And I know it's because we all understand that gratitude really can be a superpower. Thanks for being here. Hi there, everyone. I want to introduce you today to um, a new friend that I believe is going to be a longtime friend, Barbara McCullough and I met on Instagram of all places. I admired some of her artwork. She responded to some of my uh, posts and then she offered to donate a painting to the Cancer Foundation for New Mexico. And I, as always, when somebody offers to donate something, I made an appointment to run by and say thank you. And it was apparent to me 
I don't know about you, Barbara, but it was apparent to me in the first five minutes that we were, to use a, a 70s phrase, soulmates. Um, almost, so. yeah, almost twins separated at birth. But Barbara is an amazing painter, but she also has um, a story that I know is going to really inspire our life-saving gratitude um, listeners. So Barbara, tell us, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a fascinating background that led you to this art practice, but you, you also have some other, other interesting, um, uh, there's an interesting part of your history that's going to be really important to our listeners, I think. Okay. But thank you, Bunny. I appreciate this so much. Every now and then I get an opportunity to tell my story. And as I've done that for over 20 years, for 20 years, one of the things that comes to me is that thread of life that has run through everything. And 20 years ago, all of the pieces that made up me that I recognized were complete prior to 20 years ago, those pieces were fractured and separate and didn't, didn't talk to each other. And 20 years ago, I got sober. Okay, so that's a big part of my story. And at that point, it was, it was a sudden experience because of what had happened. And I can tell you about that in a little bit. But from that point on, the four threads that I see are my personal relationships, my work life, which is art, which brings nature in. Alcoholism is a third part. And my spiritual life, my, the glue that's holding me together. And when you were talking about, you were talking, we were talking about habits earlier. One of the habits that I have now is prayer. I mean, 20 years ago, I was at the depths of alcoholism. I was saying a prayer, the first sincere prayer I had said since I was 12 years old. And I was praying to that I couldn't do this anymore. And I was praying to have a heart attack. I waited and nothing happened. I prayed, then just put me in a coma. And then I prayed, just take my life. And at that point, I had an experience. That's right. That's exactly right. I laugh and say, God misunderstood me. Because what <laughs> happened at that point is, is truly, and I'm not a preacher. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, a pulpit thumper. But what had happened at that point my chest caved into my spine and all of the air left. And I felt a cool rush of air come in and I felt this peaceful thing come over me. And in my brain, the little words in my head said, this is God. Now, this was not what I expected. But what happened from that time is I got a change of perspective. In, and the pieces of my life gradually came together. And it was like, I say it was like jump, hitting a trampoline at the pit of hell, 
coming up and grabbing onto the top of that hole and getting a little glimpse of light. It didn't propel me into the life I had. It gave me hope. And at that moment, what I did was I said, I need help. And then, then that, that was like a spiritual experience, you know, and I needed to make a decision. Do I accept it? Do I go back down the hole? Do I find another way to end my life? And, and it wasn't so much that I wanted to die. I just couldn't live that way anymore. Not one more day. I had, I had run out of answers. I had run out of solutions. I'd run out of my business, my money, my opportunities. Everything was gone at that point due to alcoholism. And so when I tell my story, what I want to offer is hope. Not everyone has to go to the depth that I did. But what I discovered, one, is alcoholism is progressive. And you can get off that train anytime. I also discovered that about 10% of people have the tendency to become addicted almost to anything. You know, alcohol is wonderful. If you put alcohol, if you put alcohol in front of 20 people, 18 of them can, can drink it every day and never have a problem. They can use it for all of the wonderful benefits that alcohol has to reduce our inhibitions and make us more comfortable so we can have a little more fun. And two of those people are going to say, Hey, that's great. I'd like another one. And then, then for a while, they go, well, maybe, maybe I'll stop after three. And I had 30 years of controlling it. And I, I didn't realize until I look back on my life that that control was diminishing. It was harder and harder and harder to control it. My three drinks became six drinks as the tolerance built up. And one day, and I called it like a dimmer switch. One day, the dimmer switch broke, and I had the bad thought came in, okay, that said, well, you don't have to wait for friends to go dancing and, and you know, relax. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. You don't have to put up with this discomfort. You can do it yourself. And that bottle of wine that had been sitting on the counter that I was waiting for friends to come over... I said, well, I can sit here at the end of work, do my books, and pour myself a nice little glass of wine. And from that decision became a habit. That habit was, I had at that point, I had had a gallery. I was making a lot of money. It was in a tourist town. And the other artists in town had boxes of wine on their counter, so that when the, the art show happened and the customers came in at the end of the day, hey, let's have a little, you know, let's have a little drink. So I thought, well, that's a great idea. And so my box of wine became bottles of wine and the little refrigerator for the sandwiches held the beer. And before long, the coffee that I was walking around with, one day I said, They've invented flavored coffees. What that means is I can have Kahlua at work and pour in my coffee. And 
Oh, wow. From, yeah. from, the, from the time that I said, I can do this, I had controlled my life with an iron fist to that point. And from the time that I said, I can do this, for the next seven years, I gave up control of my life to alcohol completely. It told me when to drink and how much to drink. I went shopping by percentage. When I look at the wines, it was, well, damn, that's only 10.5%. So I didn't shop by quality or taste. It was the effect. And that's what distinguishes an alcoholic. And then a person with alcohol... I'm sorry. That's okay. No, I just wanted to... um, uh, you know, for our listeners, I want, um, that is the difference, isn't it, between somebody who might not become addicted and somebody who does. I, I, I dated somebody who was in recovery once and he said, you know, it's when alcohol becomes the controlling force in your life. When he said, I sit across the table from you and you have a glass of wine at dinner and you might leave half of the glass you might leave it half empty because you're done. He said, I just look at it and I'm like, how can she, how can she, how can she leave that empty? It's, or how can she leave a little in the glass? Like, I guess if you're, I mean, that's what people need to understand is if it is the controlling force in your life, that's an issue. It is an issue. And it's at that point you've given up your life or it's taken it over because it's a very subtle point where that happens. But normal drinkers, 80%, 90% of people out there can go out and say, I've had a lousy day. I'm going to go get dirty faced. Okay. Well, I don't know who listens to Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go get drunk as a skunk, okay? And they can do that. And they can do that every day for a month. And at the end of the month, they can say, well, that was enough. An alcoholic can't do that. It goes, we're missing some processing chemicals in our brain. And for a long time, we can get by and make choices. But for any listener out there that's looking at their drinking patterns, and if they're saying, I'm drinking when I don't want to, I'm drinking, I'm leaving the party drunker than I wanted to. You know, I wore a pretty dress, I got nice shoes on, and I had intended just to have three drinks. And... I drank too much. And when that becomes habitual, it's also a signal that the ability in our brain, those chemicals in our brain are deteriorating. Those chemicals that can can process alcohol and dispel it don't. And so we continue to absorb all of those, all of the alcohol. And, um, you know, it becomes it becomes addictive. There's a long period of time where it's very easy to get help and say, gee, I think I'll go into rehab. I think I'll go into AA. Gee, I think I'll talk to a counselor and really be honest and say, I'm having a problem controlling how much I drink. And it's that one word can save someone's life, control. Are you controlling it? 
Are you losing control or does it control you? And it's, it's like that dimmer switch. So, so tell me about, um, how your life changed after that. I mean, if we're talking about hope, you, you're a picture of hope. And I, I wish that our listeners could see you visually because, and, and we'll put up, we'll have some, some screenshots. But for those of you who are listening, Barbara is a very visual person because she's moving her hands all the time. She's talking and she's giving us illustrations. Um, that, that's, that's the artist in you, but tell people what happened after that, I mean, your life was one way you thought you wanted to die and then you made a choice. You asked for help and you got it. I got it. And what had, what happened to the rest of my life in those other threads that finally came together? The only way they came together was I made a choice that I would take advice. I made a choice to ask for help. I got involved in a 12 step program. Um, I said, yes, I said, yes, I said, yes. And yes became a habit Um, because I started trusting people. Up until that point, I had come from a life where there was abuse. um, There was just terrible relationships. And I learned that my safety was, I'd be able to protect my safety if I did not let other people into me. I had relationships, a lot of them, but they weren't healthy because I made poor choices, some alcohol, some because I never learned how. So after that point, it was as if my brain said, you got to wake up. You know, you deserve to be the best human being you can be so that And those words, so that, is what happened to me that day. It's that I needed to work and do the best art that I could so that I could transmit joy to someone else. Before that, it was so that I could pay the bills. It was all about satisfying my basic needs. I had to pay the bills. I had to to pay the bills. And that was what making art was about. And so my art was, it was, how would I say, manipulative isn't the right word, but it was strategic. It's like, okay, so a holiday's coming up. I'm going to do something, do something so that I can maximize my profits. And I was a businesswoman. I had a, had a great business. But my drinking ruined it for me because I wasn't able to participate in it. After I got sober on October 8th, 2001, yeah, etched in my memory, um, all of a sudden I said, you know, I need to let this go. I need to, to let someone else fully have it. I had already turned over a portion of my business to some friends. And I said, no, I... I, I have things in my heart. I was starting to access my heart. So I was going from my head to my heart, and it was just pouring out in my work. And I was having these ideas and these passions, how I could use my work to help people. And things started happening. I received 
I received from money from an unexpected source that funded a project. Other things happened. And it was like, it was as if this spiritual relationship that I completely gave myself to supported me. And so that I could be free to be the best human I could be, you know, and my, my prayers began and they were like, thy will be done because I was still clueless. I, I was not experienced at 55 years old. I was not experienced running my life. I was just simply had run into the ground. Can I, I, so I want to let our listeners know that at this time that you made this choice to stop being strategic about your art so that it could be profitable. You were single, you were on your own. You were, there wasn't another means of support as I understand it. And still, because you got those four parts of your life, they started to be aligned. You still were supported financially by, by the world, by the universe, by God, by whatever higher power you believe in. I, I think that's pretty amazing that well, when you get and, in alignment. It, yeah. When I was in alignment, it, it was like, well, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Right. And the things that were supporting me were not just for my benefit. They benefited me greatly because they were heart-centered, but they were also things that in my work I could do to help other people. And I created series of work that went into different groupings. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard, it's hard to, to explain that in words. But I was able to benefit other people with my work. And then I moved and I needed to leave the environment. But up until that point, Bunny, from the time I was 15 years old, I was self-supporting with my own work. I was not able to go to college. I went right out of a family that I was terribly uncomfortable with into a marriage with a man who also, who drank too much and that taught me how to control it. But he also had a gambling addiction. And so I found a job that was an entry-level technical illustrator job in the aerospace industry. At 19 years old, I was fingerprinted by the FBI and got a secret clearance. And I started working for um, job shops so that I, I was working as an independent contractor, putting my art skills out there in this, what I consider, it was a challenge to learn it, so that was interesting, but it, it didn't have the freedom of sitting out in the woods and drawing trees, which was what, what I really loved doing. But for 15 years, I did that, and then I had was now single again and s- still supporting myself and moved to Montana and built a pottery. I, I, I want to give people – you were talking about um... – in the aerospace industry, I I want folks to know that 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 you were a contractor for NASA, right? I mean, I it's so fascinating to me when we talk about that because you at a time when women were not necessarily um, involved in some of those scientific endeavors in the way that they are now, you just 
you know, you're somebody without a college degree, you go and get a job being a technical illustrator for NASA. And I found that so um, fascinating. And, and, and it's, it's sort of, I, and I almost don't know how to process this piece, how to, how to describe it, but you, while you were really, really self-sufficient in terms of your professional life, there still must have been some emotional spaces where you weren't self-sufficient. It's sort of, there were really this, these disparate parts of you that weren't coming together. Am I right? That's correct. Absolutely. Totally correct. I was the, because I didn't have a grounding in how to have healthy relationships. And because my first choice was simply the first train out of town. Um, I didn't learn how to have healthy relationships. I learned that people paid me money because I did good work. And so I did good work and made good money. And my world was wrapped up that small. And this work that I did for NASA, for aerospace companies, I, by the way, I can tell you now the secret project that I worked on never got launched. It, they called it MOLE, Man Orbiting Lab experiment. So it was, and I was on the toilet, literally. Wow. The, the, the toilet in space was what I was working on. So it was sort of pre-space that, lab. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How fun. Yeah. How interesting. And, but then there were, there were other companies, there was, you know, Sperry Flight Systems and Air Research and Hughes Aircraft and Anybody that needed a job done in a hurry, they would come. The employees in those factories would leave at the end of the day and they would send their work to a contractor. And I was a subcontractor. And so I had work, you know, and my my requirement was to make sure it got on the airplane in the morning to Washington, the slide pro- program. Wow. So, so Barbara, what, what I'm getting from this is that um, your exterior life can look incredibly successful while your interior life is in shambles, right? I mean, it's, I mean, I know that for, that's true for me, but um, I'm curious about whether that was true for you. I was so emotionally shut down that I could not tell you one emotion from the other. Happy or sad, that was about it. Somebody, when I was 30 years old, said to me, Barbara, I didn't know you could talk. I just was so, and now you can't shut me up. You (laughs) You and I can't talk fast enough. (laughs) Right? (laughs) There's a concrete example of the transformation for better or for worse. But, But today, I'm emotionally in touch, not with myself, but again, it's a so that. It's so that I can connect to other human beings, because if I make that connection to other human beings, there's a spiritual energy that comes through us that can be useful to someone else. It's, oh, I think that's what we're know, doing right now. I mean, you and I have connected and we've created um, this surprising, it seems like tandem stories that Hope. I mean, I all I want to do is is impact people with the, a story of hope, and that's what you're doing that's, every day. 
that's what I'm that's what I'm making an effort to do every day. I've spent 18 years working with women in the field of alcoholism. I've been a speaker in the field of alcoholism. In the field of art, I've taught women for the time from the time I got sober, working with them so that they could I always say I'm making the artist from the inside out. Because they would come to me and they would say, Barbara, show me how to make a tree. Show me how to make puffy clouds. You know, they had skill sets they wanted. Mm -hmm. And I would look at the person and I would just know. I would just know what they needed was to go inside them, tap into their heart, tap into what they love, into what, what, are, what is their purpose? What do they want to see different in the world? And apply that and start start letting a person see how powerful an artist can be. And so that's the kind of teacher that I've been. Well, and you've also been, you, you told me that you've been a sponsor for a lot of women in mm -hmm. recovery. Does that, does that some, does that cross over those, those emotional skill sets? Um, I mean, oh. yeah, I mean, I, I know, you know what I'm trying to say, but. Right. right. My, my coming together as a human being happened because of the 12-step program and because I accepted wrapping my life around a spiritual core. That's, that's what I needed to put the pieces together, to allow the pieces to come together. I had to get out of the way because it was a major ego problem, if you want, because I was taking care of everything until alcohol took care of everything. And then when I broke, I broke open so beautifully. You know, I was that Humpty Dumpty and then nobody, you wouldn't want those pieces back together. I was the soft, squishy, hard-boiled egg now. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, a, that was just a beautiful thing. And so when I got my act together, somebody came up to me that they were attracted to the recovery. And they said, can you help me? Can you help me with that, um, that program, that 12 step program that those ideas? And I said, of course. And that just led me down the most amazing road. I've worked with 50 different women in the 12-step program, and I've been able to witness not, not only, I would say maybe 35 of them that I still am aware of. Not only are they sober, they have wonderful family lives, their jobs are better, um, and it's, it's, like it just passed through me because I said yes. And all I did was help them by following instructions. And if they accepted a spir spiritual core, what that means, if you could talk about it in psychological terms and say, I'm going to have a reduction of my ego because my ego is stopping me from being the best person I can be. And by opening up to accepting a spiritual core, you're saying, I don't know, maybe, let's see, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And you start saying yes to what feels right on the inside. That's, 
That's such an interesting, I mean, we talk a lot, especially in coaching about saying no to things that um, either don't add to your life or, you know, especially, um, you know, young moms or young professional people who, that, you know, you have to learn to say no, but I love the concept and, and there is a movement out there, you know, say, say yes, you know, you have to say yes for an entire day, but you're saying what, what I hear is that it's, you're saying yes to a spiritual life, to a fuller life, to a more aware, alive, awake and artful life, whether that's painting or writing or, um, you know, there are a lot of different ways to be an artist in your own life, but I, I love the idea of saying yes. And I, I just read this great, um, piece online, a writer that I follow said, we keep forgetting, we keep thinking that we have all the time in the world. We keep, you, you think you have plenty of time and, um, you had this spiritual experience before you got sober of, of wanting, wanting your life to end. And I had this, I consider it a bit of a spiritual experience when I was diagnosed and then got well. And you have to start, you have to realize that you don't have time and you have to start mm -hmm. saying yes to what, what, what's, what the art in your life is. Like that's a real simplistic way to get it. But, um, I see it like a weaving bunny. If we take all of the pieces, like we are a weaving. And uh -huh. if you take all of those threads in your life that have come together, you will never be duplicated in time or space. You know, you are incredibly unique. I'm incredibly unique. And if we can maximize all of the positive opportunities that come our way, we, I mean, we have to say no to some opportunities. You Absolutely. Know, we get yeah. Overloaded. Yeah. You know, but you go, thy will be done, you know, or, or you take it today, God, <laughs> you know, or, well, and I think the right opportunities start showing up. You know, um, three years ago or four years ago, I never would have thought that I was either capable of or had the time to be the board chair for the Cancer Foundation. I, you, during the pandemic, got involved in a program. Um, and I'd like for folks to hear a little bit more about that because you, you're, you're, you're growing exponentially in terms of your online presence and the way that you're teaching and reaching out and impacting people. I, you know, we have to just start saying yes to the possibility that our life can be bigger and better. That's right. That's right. I got involved in a business coaching program for women, but it was for heart centered women, women entrepreneurs and it's called the House of Impact. And a year ago, I ran into a free workshop, took the free workshop. It was on branding. It was on. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is what I need. I can I can present myself online because pandemic, you know, and right. have a have a better presence. Well, I got into it and within within just a month. I discovered that my main purpose with my work wasn't painting to sell. 
it's a it's what I do. But my main purpose is how can I maximize my impact in the world? How can I maximize my impact to other women? And that's through teaching. And so then, then the, my next thought was, okay, let me see how I can create, oh, maybe a YouTube channel or videos and incorporate that interior teaching into skill sets. And I looked at that for a couple of weeks. And, and this program is so interactive. There's 15 of us that go through this. This It's a master, masterful course. Um, within a few weeks, a couple of weeks, I went, that's not big enough. I need it to transcend me. And so I thought, well, I'll put it in a book. I'll put everything I know about art and about what I've learned about a spiritual core, what I've learned about working with a purpose, what I've learned about daydreaming and visioning and all of that into a book and help an, help a person see that no matter how well they can draw, it's irrelevant. The art is making them. So it's by making art, you're making a person that's more sensitive, more intuitive, more kind. And the, the human being, it's a humanistic approach to teaching art. And then I, I give them a, you know, a, a surface touchdown of art skills, but it's about creativity, but from a diff, from a humanistic point of view. So that was what I thought was the best I could do. And it's in the mysterious world of publishing in the editing department. And I imagine they're having a great deal of fun with my convoluted sentences. <laughs> so but, I, I don't know what will come of it or when. Well, and, and so if, when you chose, I mean, you, you already had this habit of teaching and leading and, and caring. I mean, I think that's, you made a choice a long time ago that, um, you, you were not just going to care for yourself, but you were also going to start sharing that hope and caring with other people. But out of that daily habit, you, you've now created this practice and this YouTube channel and you're, you've done a book and Barbara, do you mind telling folks how old you are, your age? Oh, I'm happy to. I'm 75 years old. And these last 20 years, Bunny, have truly been the best years of my life. I married a man that I swear I met him and I looked at him and I said, he's goodness. I mean, that's a funny way to say it, but that's what happened in my head. And so I, have, I wasn't able to have children. Again, the dysfunctional life. I have, I'm by all practical purposes, an orphan. Um, and I married an Irish Catholic man with four children and no grandchildren. Aww. And I have this big loving uh, second family or real family. Right. But yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm 75. Yeah, I just want, I want people to know that life Life is so worth embracing, regardless of whether you're 30 or 75 or even 85. It's, um, I, boy, it's an adventure, isn't it? 
I mean, it's, you're isn't it amazing. It's, you are such an example of, but, but let's go back to that piece where you were talking about um, art. You're, you've written this book that, mm-hmm. that we hope, hope will be available to the public. I don't know, in the next year. Um, but talk, you know, in terms of it's, it's, so the way I understand it, the first half is the holistic piece of it. Tell us how the book is structured. The book is structured in two parts. In part one, yes, it's that holistic part. It's the part where I'm giving people stories to inspire them. I'm giving them visioning projects. It's very much a workbook. Visioning projects, purpose projects, possibilities projects. And it's matrixed so that they're just effortlessly and stress, no stress, throwing out ideas and then starting to weave what I call their superhero cake. You know, once that, once all of these pieces come together, and that's a phrase you use, you know, that superhero idea, because at our core, I absolutely believe that if we all could live to our potential, we could make such a difference in the world and the world needs it so badly that I'm driven to take what's left of my time, whether it's, you know, whatever time it is, you know, and make the best, make the best decisions, the best impact that I can make. And the only way I can do that is through other people. Well, and you and and I understand that the second half of the book is really practical exercises, right? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's fifty-five skill set projects that go from drawing and painting. So there's drawing exercises, watercolor, oil, acrylic, um, pastel. Then it goes into composition and design for a chapter with exercises and examples color how to how to how to use color emotionally because now i've got i want them to be thinking about putting their heart out there you know put, putting putting their work in an emotional plane and then the last chapter is creativity and that's bringing this is the final weaving and that's bringing all of these pieces including your purpose including Maybe saving the whales. Maybe it's um, you know trying to fund a new dog park. Maybe it's whatever a person's passion is at that moment to try and help them see how they can make an impact. I I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, I'm you know I my art is different, but I I can't wait to read your book. And I you you said something really. Um, inspiring to me, and and I and I used to think this consciously, but I I needed to be reminded of it. You said when we were doing the we did an Instagram live together yesterday, and when we were talking about doing it, you said, "Well, I try to learn something new every single day," and I thought mm-hmm. that's when people's lives stop being purposeful and artistic. It's is when they think, eh, there's not much left to my life. There's, there's, uh, you know, when they stop wanting to learn something new every day, right? 
Right. It's, it's hard because at my age, there's everything's new technology. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting clumsier fingers, these fat fingers, trying to put them on the little keys, you know, everything, there's difficulties. But what I told myself was that I don't need to do, learn two things in a day, just one. And so if I set a goal to learn something new every day, but like you put in your book, only one thing at a time. And if, if I look at a day and I have six things on my brain dump sheet that I don't know how to do, I'll just look at it and say, well, what's the most critical time-wise and apply myself to that. And, you know, it's usually not that hard. And there's people I can ask for help, and I do. Or I'll That's... just Google, what's a podcast? <laughs> I do. I did that. What is a podcast? I love and that. And I learned it was a radio show. <laughs> I love that, Barbara. So you, um, I, I, you know, I, I always say this because when I, we start talking with a podcast guest, we always learn so many things. But you did a really great post yesterday, maybe it was last night or early this morning about the brain dump idea. And I want you to share that with our listeners because that is such practical and immediately actionable. Um, that That's such a good piece of advice. And I, I, I hate the word advice, but it's such a great idea for how, if, I, I, if, if everybody's brain is like mine, I have all this chatter in my head all the time. And some of it is, want I want you to tell us what that idea is because I love it. I, we all know the idea of a brain dump, but the way that you said it felt so practical and so immediately useful. Well, one of the things that I learned, Bunny, was to lead with a strong sentence. And you know this from your writing. So my strong sentence was, time flows like a roll of toilet paper, faster as the end approaches. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that might get some attention. And because you know it does. And it's like, how did it get to be garbage day again? It's it's it was just a couple days ago. It was. How did it get to be you know, how did it get to be tax season again? How did these things happen? When I was young, it took forever to reach another Friday. You know, and <laughs> you're so, right. So, so time is like that. And a roll of toilet paper, everybody knows what that means. It's like, how can That's it brilliant. possibly be gone? <laughs> so, so what I was talking about was all of the stuff that goes on. I can only speak for myself, but in my head, there's chatter. And I see that I've come to see that chatter as maybe the eight-year-old Barbara trying to tap me on the shoulder. You know, if you don't do this, something's going to happen. Da-da-da-da-da. You need ketchup. Don't forget the oil. You know, you've got a leak over here. And that varnish maybe has a spot on it. You know, chitter-chatter. But it doesn't help me when I try and push it away. And it doesn't help me if I say, I need some sleep. Please leave me alone. So what I do is I talk to it as if 
it's that little helpful voice inside me. And I say, hey, thank you for reminding me of that. And I get a yellow piece of paper and a pencil. And I can do this at night in the dark because it's the mechanics of doing it. The the brain doesn't know the lamp isn't on. The brain doesn't know that my pencil isn't is writing itself on top of the last sentence. All I'm doing is I'm respecting those messages. And it quiets my brain so beautifully. And, uh, you know. That, that is so profound. You're respecting the message instead of trying to push it away. Um, I, I think we could write a book about that. It's, um, you, you're, it's almost like you said, it's that eight-year-old Barbara, but it's almost like your brain is trying to help you, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's too fast. It's too much. It's too soon. So you, and I also, we also know the fact that your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and, and what's real and what's not. So if you just mechanically write it down and let it go, the other thing is you can come back to it, right? I mean, you respect it. You thank it. You can certainly come back to it. Oh, I do. I look at it in the morning to see if there's to see, and it's, there's usually a list of things that I already knew. It's just that I hadn't put them on paper during the day, and they were going to come back and haunt me during the night. So I'll have these frequent wake-up periods, or I'll say, hey, you know, God just needs to talk to me. Because sometimes the things I'm writing down are perceptive. Right. Sometimes it's not just... Um, don't forget to roll the garbage cart out. Right. Right. It's, well, it's how these things come together. Barbara, I'm so, I'm so pleased that we met each other. And I want us to do this again, because I know there are, we could, there are a hundred other topics that we can talk about, but your, your spirit and your impact and, um, the, the fact that you chose um, to create a habit of saying yes to the stuff that's, that's important is such a gift to me. And I know it's going to be a gift to our listeners. So thank you so much for doing this with us. I want you to keep us posted on when the book shows up. And we also want to post some links to where folks can find your artwork and where they can find you on Instagram. You're doing, you're doing an Instagram live like every couple of days, right? Well, it's part, I told you I'm in a program uh -huh. and part of our assignment is to get comfortable mm -hmm. speaking, get comfortable being live online. And it was very uncomfortable to begin with. I think I might've cried, but, <laughs> but you kept I'm doing, doing it. it. Yeah, I kept doing it because why not? I am, I'm 75 years old, Bunny. I am too old to say no. You know, I did, when I turned 70, I said, I am so tired of counting numbers. I'm going to dedicate the, de I'm just going to count a decade. And this decade I'm dedicating to living fearlessly. So that's where saying yes came about. And since I did that, I've moved to Santa Fe. I have a beautiful studio. I've written a book. I said yes to taking a a masterful business program 
which by the way goes, it's the House of Impact, H-A-U-S. They're doing a free workshop again coming up in December. Any woman entrepreneur might be interested in looking oh, at Oh, I'm signing up. I'm definitely signing up. I love that idea. H-A-U-S of Impact. We'll put, we'll get the link to it. We'll get it from you. Um, I, and I, this is your decade of living fearlessly. That's right. Why not? I love it. I, why not? What an amazing choice. What a great mm -hmm. habit. Um, well, thank you for being here. Um, we want to connect you with a lot of folks and I, I want to talk to you some more. We'll do this again. I'm so excited. Oh, Bunny, you, you just touched me so deeply. You know, when I, when I ran across the word gratitude and I'm, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see this life-saving gratitude and I go, Oh, wow. Yeah, she gets it. You know, and then I, then I bought your book and I read your book and I met you and yes, you do get it. You know, you get it at your soul level, you know? Well, and so, um, uh, we're going to title this the art of living fearlessly. I, you know, we always, we talk about, um, the, you know, the art of gratitude and different things, but there is an art to living fearlessly. And I think Barbara's the person to teach us how to do it. So. Oh, thank you, Bunny. That's all we've got today, friends. I want to thank you for joining the Life Saving Gratitude podcast with your host, Bunny Terry that's me, and my producer and assistant, Johanna Medina. We feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us, and we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen, and please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at lifesavinggratitudepod.com. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. Mm -hmm.